Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Praise God. Oh, somebody shout like the walls have already fallen down. Praise God. Bump your neighbor, tell them, welcome to New Heights, and you can be seated. I wanted to mention next weekend is Father's Day. Uh, I would love for you to come to church with us next weekend. I'm going to uh, preach a sermon that is going to include one of the saddest, if not the saddest things I've ever read in the Scripture. Uh, it's not going to end sad, but it is, it is something that I think every father, every father and anybody who wants to be a father should hear. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter number 27 the gospel according to Matthew, chapter number 27, it's right after 26, if you're looking for it. Matthew number 27. So, uh, we're going to pick up in just a moment, but I want to kind of historically tell you where we are in the, in the, in the text before we get there. Uh, so, in the scripture, Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, came and was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life for 30 years. Then he started his ministry with his disciples. They went about doing good. He was healing the sick and blessing people and doing all sorts of wonders, talking about the new kingdom which was at hand. Uh, but it came close to the apex or the pinnacle uh, of what would happen with his life and with his ministry. And the scripture says that he went to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he was praying with uh, uh, most likely 11 of his disciples. We're assuming the others were there except for Judas Iscariot. And he was praying, and he was praying uh, for strength that, 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 that he was feeling the weight of sin begin to come on him. And the Bible says that Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray him, uh, who sold Jesus out to the temple, uh, to the high priest for 30 pieces of silver, which was the going rate for the cost of a slave in that day and age, which was also uh, 10% of what Judas Iscariot complained about whenever Mary poured the spikenard or the oil on Jesus and anointed him for his burial. In other words, Judas sold Jesus out for the tithe, which he didn't even keep. The Bible later says that he took it back to the temple and threw it into the house of God because the Bible says uh, uh, that they would use that money to uh, uh, purchase a field we call the potter's field. Uh, one translation says the field of blood. So they didn't want it in the treasury because it was blood money. That's the way they called it. Which reminds me, there was a great movie uh, years ago called Young Guns and Young Guns 2. Can I get a witness? <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm off my medication. 
Jesus, the Bible says, was in the, in the garden praying, and all of a sudden, here comes a bunch of people. Uh, the temple guard was some of the high priests and the people that would accuse him, and G- Judas comes and, and betrays Jesus, and, and the Bible says that Peter does what some of us would have done. He, he rips out his sword, and he goes to, to, to get one of the guys that's trying to arrest Jesus, and he misses, and he cuts the guy's ear off, and Jesus heals the guy's ear, puts it back on, and he says to Peter, he says, listen, if you live that way, you're going to die that way. If that's how you want to live, you can live that way, but you'll die that way. And, and Peter, not understanding everything fully, of course, puts his sword in, back into his sheath. And whenever uh, Jesus uh, 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 allows himself to be arrested, all the other disciples run and several different miracles uh, took place even in that moment. But they took Jesus and they drug him in the middle of the night. They drug him to the, to the high priest, to the council of the Sanhedrin, and they threw him in front of him. He was back in chains and, and tied up and they had whipped him and beat him the whole way there. And they began to uh, uh, condemn him and say that he was blaspheming. This is all happening in the middle of the night. Uh, so they're all saying he's doing all these things wrong and a great crowd had gathered and, and they couldn't find anything that was really honest to say about him. One of the things that, that's a staple uh, in my life is as we try to do this, there's going to be people that talk about you and that's just the way it is. Uh, you might even be sitting next to somebody that talks about you. Don't look. <laughs> but our goal is not that people don't talk about us. Our goal is to never give somebody an honest reason to accuse us. Now, if they accuse us, that's fine. Matter of fact, I'd be nervous if I wasn't accused every now and then. But uh, at the same time, we don't want to give somebody an honest reason. So the Bible says that they couldn't, they couldn't uh, find anything to pin on him honestly. And then finally a couple people decided that they would bear false witness or they would lie about him. And they, they, they said some things that Jesus was doing. And before you knew it, uh, uh, the whole thing was just really in an uproar. And they said, do you say you're the son of God? And Jesus finally said, you say that I am. And uh, symbolically, they tore their clothing, which was uh, their, their covering that, that showed that they were high priests and that they were of the Sanhedrin and Pharisees. And, and they ripped their clothes and they, they, they began to hit Jesus and slap Jesus. And, and then they decided, well, we want him dead, but we can't kill him because it was against their law. So what they were going to do is they were going to wait till the next morning and they were going to take him to the Romans and they were going to get the Romans to kill him based off the fact that Jesus was causing a great uprising to take place which, uh, again, it wasn't accurate in, in the way they were saying it. But they take Jesus before the Roman uh, governor the next morning, which na- whose name was Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate begins to um, interrogate Jesus, for lack of better words. And he says, he says, they say you're the son of God. What do you say? And Jesus answered, he said, well, you say that I am. And then he began to say, well, what do you say about the fact that they accuse you of doing this? And they accuse you of doing that. And they're critical of you in this area. And the Bible said Jesus didn't answer them at all. Number one, if you're taking notes. Matter of fact, you should write this as a letter to you from you. Dear me, never answer your critics again. Jesus refused to answer his critics because his critics were going to be critical whether he raised the dead, which he did, whether he fed thousands of people, which he did, whether he was blessed coming in and blessed going out, which he was, whether he helped people or he didn't help people, he helped people. They were going to be critical. Your critics are going to be critical of you, not because you have something to be critical about, but because they're critics. They're going, they, listen, they're, 
listen, they're the kind of people, let me tell you what they complain about. It's too sunny at the beach, the ocean's too salty, and there's too much sand as well. They're going to be critical and they're going to find a reason to be critical. Our job is to quit being surprised that critical people are being critical about us. We just need to quit answering our critics. This is where we pick up. Matthew 27 verse 13. Then Pilate said unto him, don't you hear all the critics that are railing against you? Verse 14. And he answered him never a word. I like King James version of the Bible because I grew up memorizing it. But sometimes I like it because it sounds like real swag talk. Never a word. Sometimes our, our modern English just doesn't work anymore. How do you answer your critics? Never a word. The next time somebody says something good about you, look in the mirror, remind yourself that God said you're the righteousness of God in Christ and quit listening to your critics. Jesus answered him never a word, didn't say one word, insomuch that the governor, Pontius Pilate, marveled greatly. That word marvel is the word admired. Instantly and immediately, Pontius Pilate, who was a trained leader of the Roman Empire, all of a sudden, he is admiring Jesus. Not because of what he said, but because of what he did not say. Sometimes not saying something is more powerful than speaking Altogether, verse 15. Now at the feast of the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner. In other words, Pilate was about to release a prisoner which had become customary because the Romans had come and taken over Jerusalem. And they were ruling over Jerusalem. And in an effort to keep the peace in Jerusalem, they would release one of the uh, Hebrew prisoners uh, at the time of the Passover. So they would release kind of like, a, like an olive branch. Because what was taking place is there was all kind of small uprisings that they were trying to snuff out and to stop. Uh, And the way they would do it was, one, they would have just incredibly heinous uh, penalties for small crimes. They would, they would, even if you were convicted to die, even if you were uh, given the, the, the death sentence, they would beat you before they killed you. They would give you uh, 30, some, some Bibles, some translations say 39 lashes. The, the Romans really weren't held to 39 lashes. That was an Israelite law. That was a Hebrew law. So it might have been 39. It might have even been more than that. But if you got sentenced to death, it's not like, oh man, rats, I got to go to the cross. You still got to get beat first. You still got to get slapped first. You still got to get ridiculed first. Then you got to carry your own cross up a rock hill so that they can nail you to it. Then you'll be hung between uh, uh, the sky and the, and the ground until you literally die. The Romans were so hard on people trying to keep these little uprisings from taking place. But every now and then they just kind of throw you a bone. They just kind of throw the Israelites a bone and try to try to do something nice well at the Passover they would let one of the prisoners go it was customary so Pilate thought man this Jesus guy I really I really admire him maybe I should offer to let him go and see what they say and the Bible says that that there was a notable prisoner everybody say notable there was a notable prisoner called Barabbas now that word notable is the same word we would use today as notorious well-known Everybody knew Barabbas. Very public arrest. Very public situation. 
There were uh, undoubtedly people that wanted uh, Barabbas delivered from prison because he was actually a part of an uprising at one point. He was arrested because of an insurrection because he did not like the Romans. In other words, Barabbas was what they were accusing Jesus of. He was somebody that wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire. So Barabbas is there and, and everybody knows about it. So, so Pontius Pilate said unto him, verse, thir- verse 17, when they had gathered together, Pilate said, who would you rather me release, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called the Christ? This morning, I want to talk to you about choices and voices. Choices in your life. They come up, sometimes they seem small, but they have monumental Turn left or turn right. They have monumental effects. Sometimes they seem big and they have no effect at all. Choices. We're filled with them every day. We have the opportunity to choose wisely. We have the opportunity to make a sound decision. And then voices. Voices I'm going to get to in a minute. But it might be one of the most important things you'll hear all week. If not the most important thing. To decide the choices and the voices you're going to pay attention to. Pilate stands on the platform and all the people are there. the Sanhedrin, all of the, the Hebrew leaders are there and they're, they're just railing against Jesus. And, and Barabbas says, hey, I'm going to, uh, and, and Pontius Pilate says, I'm going to let one of them go, okay? It's either going to be Barabbas or it's going to be Jesus. Now, nothing's in the Bible by accident. Can we just agree? Somebody say amen real strong. Barabbas literally means, it's two words, comes from two words, Bar and Abba. It means son of a father. So on this side, we have the son of a father, somebody who was a part of a Jewish uprising, a Hebrew insurrection, which means there was a certain percentage in the crowd that maybe they wouldn't say it because they were scared of the Romans, but they were sick of the Romans ruling over them. They probably liked Barabbas because he propagated their agenda. He pushed their agenda forward. These Romans are, are they're, they're doing what they shouldn't do. Release the son of a father. And then on the other side was a completely different son. On one side, you had a son of a father. And on the other side, you had a son of the father. And it's a choice presented to you and me at any and all times. We can either choose to listen to the voice of the one that comes from, that comes from on high, that paid our price with his, with his precious blood. We can either pay uh, uh, accurate and concise attention to his word, or we can listen to somebody that propagates our agenda down the road just a little bit longer. Because if you want somebody to agree with you, it doesn't take long. All you got to do is find somebody that's hurt in the same area that you're hurt in. The minute you find yourself offended, all you got to do is find another offended person and you guys have plenty to talk about the rest of the day. Because it's all about a choice you make. Pilate stands up and he says, do you want a son of a father, one of your own that has risen up in insurrection? Look how uh, peaceful I am. I'm releasing some, I'm willing to release somebody to you that was trying to overthrow the government. I'm willing to let them go. Do you want him or do you want this innocent man? And with one voice, they all began to shout, give us Barabbas. Give us the one who who pushes us down the road just a little bit longer because life is filled with choices. Choices about whether or not I'm going to make a decision that helps me today or whether or not I'm going to make a decision that changes my eternity forever. Choices. 
He says, he says, who would you want? And they all began to scream and shout, send us Barabbas. Now he knew they were going to, he knew that they gave him Jesus, but on false testimony. He admired Jesus. But sometimes you can admire Jesus and not be in love with Jesus. Sometimes you can admire Jesus and not trust Jesus. Everybody likes Jesus. I heard this said one time. I don't have a problem with, with, with uh, Jesus. I really like him. I just don't like Christians. Christ, I'm down with. Help people. Love people. Uh, do good as much as you can. Trust God. I'm good with all of that. But how come people keep looking down on me when they say I'm what they used to be? You can admire Jesus and not love him. You can admire Jesus and not trust him. You can admire Jesus and not have relationship with him. Let, let me give you an example. I, I, when, when, when Crystal and I were about to get married, we, uh, I was believing God for a beautiful diamond to buy uh, uh, for her, and I had real specific. I, I was, I had written it down. I, I had real specific. I want this kind of diamond. I want, and and I couldn't tell you exactly what it was today, but I want this specific cut, this specific clarity, and at least this big for this much money or less. And I was like, I was like, man, you know, I, I, I'm believing God. It's going to happen. So I start going to all these different jewelers, and I walk in, and everything's like double, triple, quadruple what I wanted to pay. And I would walk out of the jewelry store. I'd be like, oh, thank you very much. And I'd walk out of the jewelry store. I'd be like, the devil is a liar. I walk in favor. Glory to God. And before you know it, my faith was like this big. <laughs> because I, I wanted a diamond ring. I wanted a certain price. And, and I wanted it a, a certain way. And I, and I worked at the time at Home Depot because I was in college. I worked at Home Depot. And this lady came in. And she was wearing this beautiful ring. And I said, oh, wow, that's a beautiful ring. And she goes, oh, great. She said, what do you care about rings? I said, oh. Well, I'm, I'm wanting to buy one for my girl. I said, I'm about to put a ring on it. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, she, said, she said, well, you need to go see my friend. And she wrote down his name. And, and, and she wrote her name down. She said, tell him I sent you. It's okay. So I put it in my pocket. And I completely forgot about it. And, and I, I'm, I'm looking all over town. This was back when they had something that was very interesting. They had something called the phone book. It's, it's this stuff. It's made of something real interesting. It's called paper. And you would open it up and you would look for what you were looking for. It was kind of like the pre-internet. But I found this one jewelry store in town that I hadn't been to. And I go to the jewelry store and I walk in and, and, and I'm sitting there talking. And then all of a sudden, like a, like, a, like a doorbell dings in my head. It's like, I wonder what the name of that place was. And I look and I'm standing in the, in the jewelry store that the lady told me to go to. And I'm talking to this lady. And I said, excuse me, does so-and-so work here? I said, I'd like to speak with him. The lady, the guy's name, uh, uh, she had written down for me. And she goes, yeah, as a matter of fact, he owns the place. I said, oh, how about that? <laughs> So he goes, she goes and gets him, brings him up, and he goes, hey, how you doing? And he's showing me all this stuff, and I'm like, I want, I want a diamond this big, this, you know, at least this color. This, I don't even remember how it all worked, but at least this color, everything, and, and this is what I want. Uh, he goes, well, I got all that stuff right here. I said, oh, yeah. Her name was Nancy. I said, Nancy so-and-so told me to come see you. He goes, pow, he slapped the top of that glass desk. He said, Nancy, we go to church together. This is not for you. And he walked to the back. 
And he comes out with a little black leather pouch. And he dumps, because when they, when they dump them out, they, they, they look so beautiful because they have all the light shining everywhere. He dumped them out on this, on this little uh, pad. And when, when they hit, they were like, I mean, they were heavy. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, sir, that's great, but there's no way. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you know Nancy, me and you are friends. I said, excellent. I said, well, how much would this cost? And he goes, and he, he, he told me the exact number, exact number I've been praying for. I said, well, which one? He said, he said, you pick any of them. They were all bigger than I was wanting. They were all more beautiful than I was thinking. And I said, well, sir, I don't know how to pick. I said, why don't, why don't you pick? He said, I'm happy to pick. So he picks out this beautiful, beautiful diamond. And, and I said, well, I don't have enough money to buy a ring after that. So I guess he's just going to have to carry the diamond around. I don't know. <laughs> and he goes... He goes, no, he said, he said, he said, I'm going to set it on a beautiful ring. It's going to be everything you want. He said, you just let me know when you need it. I said, well, I said, this is what I want to pay. I said, but I don't have that money. He said, you pay me when you can, what you can. I said, are you serious? He said, Nancy goes to church with me. I said, okay. The rest of the story, and I'll tell you quickly for the sake of time, my grandmother loved diamonds as well. And she had wonderful diamonds. So whenever I started to, I uh, told her I was shopping for a diamond, she told me this. She said, she says, come, come in here. I said, okay. So I go in the living room. And she says, wait right here. And she goes back to her room where she had, uh, uh, she, they lived along the time of the Great Depression. So they had money stuck like different places. You know what I'm saying? It's stuff, you know. Uh, so she comes out with this ring and she says, turn the lights on. I said, okay, turn the lights on. And she goes, walk over to that side of the room. So I'm like, okay, walk over to that side of the room. She goes, watch this. And she holds up the ring and she wiggles it like that in the light. And it's just flickering. She said, you see that? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, that's what girls want. (laughs) She said, don't you buy anything without me looking at it. I said, okay. So I leave there. I told told the guy, I said, man, I got to let my mama look at this thing. And I'm sitting here because my mama, she never paid retail for anything. She had, she had a, a, an entire section of the house added on because she was the type of person the day after Thanksgiving, the day after Christmas, she never bought a present the year she was going to give it. She had literally, when, when, when she went to heaven, she probably had 30 crock pots. I said, why do you have 30 crock pots? She goes, a deal's a deal. But she never paid retail for anything. So I was concerned. I was just, just, just absolutely concerned that she was going to come and mess the whole thing up by him telling her the price, what, 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 what it was going to cost, and her going, oh, we're not paying that because I've seen her do it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she would go to Walmart and start negotiating on socks. She said, I'm not paying $3 for 700 pairs of socks. I'm like, Mama, just buy the socks. So we get there, and she drives up. She gets out. I said, Mama, this so-and-so. And he goes, well, let me. She said, well, let me see it. And she looks at it. And she, she grabs the tweezer, things that they hold it with, and she grabbed the little thing, and she, she looks through it. And she never comes out of it. She says, she says how big is it? And he tells her. She says, how much you want for it? And he tells her, and I'm sitting there, I'm praying, I'm praying in the spirit under my breath. I'm like, Lord, please don't let her mess this up. Oh, Jesus, just stop it from happening right now. And she goes, he'll take it. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. 
And we walk out and, and we got to the we got to the, the sidewalk of the of the jewelry store and it's pouring down rain. I'll never forget. I said, Mama, I said, I'll be honest with you, I, I was real nervous. She said, What were you nervous about, baby? I said, I said, Mama, I said, I know how you are. I see you like negotiate on a Big Mac, you know? You <laughs> you just you never pay whatever. And I really felt like God had given me this. I, I, said, I said, he had orchestrated the whole thing. And she looked at me as she was walking to her car. She looked over her shoulder. She goes, you don't think God talks to me? <laughs> Come on, give God a hand of praise. What I'm saying is, there are people that admire diamonds. But my wife loves the diamond that I gave her. There are people that admire Jesus, but falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I ever did. You see, you can admire him and not love him. You can admire him and not trust him. You can admire him, listen to me, and not know him. Pilate stands in front in full admiration of the man who's on trial. He says, you want me to release to you a son of a father? or the son of the father. And the crowd says, give us Barabbas. And they release Barabbas. And if you could just stay with me for just a moment, I'm going to finish. Barabbas was bound in chains, undoubtedly guilty of what he was accused of. Some say a murderer certainly a criminal guilty as sin we would say and on the other side of the scales stands the son of the father the son of God the fullness of the Godhead bodily and when the crowd began to chant give us Barabbas give us Barabbas you know literature and, and art it, it's so beautiful because it paints a picture for us and if you've ever seen one of the passion plays or you've ever seen uh, uh, the passion of the Christ or something like that you'll see the scene of, of, of Barabbas life on the line and Jesus life on the line and the crowd's all there and the disciples are typically huddled in the corner somewhere and when we see or we read that we paint ourselves into the story it's one of the power it's one of the uh, most powerful things about literature fiction or non-fiction you paint yourself in the story and no little boy has ever read a story about Davy Crockett without painting himself as Davy Crockett Oh, I would kill a bear when I was only three. Ah, you you put yourself. No little girl ever read the Black Stallion without picturing herself riding that horse through the thing with the mane flapping and you're just painting and brushing it and all the other things that we do because literature paints us and puts us into the story and we've all heard the story about the two lives being on line, the two lives being on the line. But the problem is, most oftentimes we put ourselves either in the crowd if we're trying to be honest. 
we put ourselves in the crowd and we said, man, I would be just like them. I would be saying, let Barabbas go. This Jesus guy, he's too much for us. Let him go. We would be condemning the Son of God, maybe not with our mouth, but with our actions. Or we would say it differently. We would say, maybe I would be like one of the disciples that I wasn't exactly calling for his death but I didn't stand up for him either have you ever had that moment when you know that you know that you know it was a moment where you could either make a stand for the God that you serve or you could sit idly by and you missed it I've missed it I don't like it but I've missed it I've looked back and I said man I wish I'd have just said this when they, when they made that joke, I wish I would have just said, hey man, let's not say that right now. Not because you're trying to control, you know, what somebody says, that's their business. But maybe, maybe every, maybe it was one of those, you just know it was a moment. It was a threshold. You either step through and get to the other side or you stay there and hope the door opens again. It was a moment. We paint ourselves, we're either the one shouting, crucify him. That's when we want to make ourselves feel like we're not worthy. Or we're like the other ones where we say, well, I didn't exactly turn my back on him, but I didn't stand up for him either. And we feel a little better about ourselves, but not quite so much better. But I think if we were accurately putting ourselves in the picture, it would not be the crowd shouting for Barabbas' death. It would not be the disciples walking on the sidelines. It would be the man in chains with his life on the line. Completely convicted, completely condemned, undoubtedly guilty of everything we've been accused of. On one hand, you have a criminal. On the other hand, the Son of God. And Jesus, who the Bible says, Pilate says to him, he says, he says, don't you know I could set you free? And Jesus says, let me tell you something, bud. No man takes my life. I lay it down. There's two reasons he said that. Number one, it's so that we would understand the power and authority that he walks in. Number two, it's so that nobody would ever be able to blame any group of people for his death. There are, there are groups and segments of society that even today blame certain uh, people, certain genealogies for the death of Christ. Nobody took his life. He willingly laid it down. He said, I could have called legions of angels. My dad would have sent 72,000 angels to wipe this whole thing out like that. Two lives on the line. One guilty. One completely innocent. Perfect, spotless, and pure. And Pilate says, which one do you want? A son of a man or the son of God? Give us Barabbas. Somebody that makes us feel good about us. I just wonder if when they said that, if Barabbas thought, oh, I'm finally getting set free. If his eyes didn't lock with that Galilean Savior. And I wonder if he realized he was not the last person to be set free that weekend. He was the first. You see, we're all Barabbas 
in our own right. Guilty, convicted, and condemned. And it's like there's this choice. You can either choose the Son of the Father or you can listen to the masses. We have to listen to the right. You have to make the right choice when you have the opportunity. And very quickly, we have to listen to the right voice. The Bible says that when Pilate sat down in a place called the judgment seat, and he was about to make his decision that his wife sent word to him and said, don't condemn Jesus. I've had dreams about him. I think he's completely innocent. But the Bible says that Pilate had no control because the masses were screaming, give us Barabbas, kill Jesus, give us Barabbas. And in your life and my life, it's not the loudest voices we have to pay attention to. It's the voices that matter. Here's the two voices that matter in your life. Number one, someone with insight. Someone that has valuable information pertaining to what you're dealing with. If they're broke, busted, and disgusted, completely upside down on everything they got, there's no reason to have a financial conversation with them for your benefit. If, if they smoke 700 packs a day, there's no reason to have a conversation with them about being set free from addiction. I'm not mad at anybody that smokes. You can certainly go to heaven if you smoke. Matter of fact, you'll probably get there quicker. <laughs> the Bible said in Genesis 1, the word to have dominion over the herb of the field. And when you're bound by something like that, the herb of the field has dominion over you. Tells you when to spend your money. Tells you how your clothes are going to smell. Tells you how your car is going to smell. It has dominion over you. Amen. But so many times in our life, we listen to voices that have no insight. That's why the house of God is so imperative. That's why the word of God is so imperative. That's why, that's why the Bible, let me tell you something. When you're in the house of God, I can't speak for everywhere, but when you're at New Heights Church every week to the best of your ability, what happens is the Bible says faith comes by hearing and not just hearing anything because a good idea might work, but a God idea will work. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you take the Bible, which of course this is not it. This is an iPad. I got my Bible on it. But you take the Bible and you say, live or die, I'm sticking to this book. In a ditch or the mountaintop, I'm sticking to this book. And before you know it, now all of a sudden, faith becomes a standard in your life because the right voices are speaking into your life. If you're looking for somebody to be offended with you, all you got to do is find somebody that's hurt in the same area that you're hurt in. It's like a little club. All you got to do is find somebody that, 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 that has experienced something negative, the same negative thing you've experienced, and then you just get together, and all of a sudden, you can just talk about it, and those voices just like, problem, 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 and it's just nothing but talking about the problem, and all of a sudden, these voices are filling up your life, but they have no, they have no insight, therefore, they're not doing anything for you. 
If you're going to roof your house, you don't need a plumber. (laughs) You need a roofer. If you don't have more information, if somebody doesn't have more information about it, then that's not somebody that has insight. If they've experienced something, that's powerful. But then here's what you do. You become that for somebody else. With your children, you're very specific about how you talk to them. You're very specific. You're very, uh, you're calculated how and when you speak to them. We don't respond in anger. We don't, we don't fly off the handle at, our, at, our, at the people who we love more than anybody else. If you're going to cuss somebody out, cuss somebody out you don't know. It doesn't make any sense to hurt the people that are close to you. A lot of times people, especially uh, family, you'll be nicer to the waitress at the restaurant than you are to your own family. Which brings me to point number two. When it comes to the voices, number one, we listen to the ones that have insight. And number two, those that are affected by the decision. Say, you don't understand. I I don't want to listen to them. If they're affected by the decision, they should have a voice. Talking family now. Relationships. Pilate's wife sent word, said, listen, you just don't need to mess with this Jesus guy because I've had a dream. I'm just totally, I think he's innocent. There's no way. She would be, whatever Pilate decided, she was going to be affected by it. Choices and voices. The choice is simple. Do you want somebody that will just help you kick the can down the road a little longer? Or do you want somebody who has made a way for you where there was no way? The voices in your life. What are you listening to? Listen, there's some great uh, talk radio and TV shows and, and, and things out there that are wonderful. But there's only 24 hours in a day. And if you're filling yourself up with a bunch of stuff that, 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 that's not helping you uh, become better at loving and serving God. all this, I'm not saying you got to be approved. I'm just saying, hey, let's get some of those right voices in our life. It's never been easier than right now. You can get podcasts. You can go to YouTube. You can do any. You can get the Bible on your phone. You can read it. You can have your Bible read to you on your phone. You start getting the Word of God on the inside of you. And all of a sudden, you begin to, to tune into that right voice. Wherever I was growing up, my dad... Uh, I'm, I'm one of three brothers, and no matter where we were, he would just do this, this whistle. And, and he's here today. My dad is very feminine. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> oh, y'all got to pray for me. He would give this whistle. And wherever we were, us three boys, it could be a crowd of people just... And it was because it wasn't the first time we'd ever heard it. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice and a stranger's voice they won't follow. The only way you know his voice is to get really acute at focusing in on it. Which means the right voices, the right things. I'm focused on hearing from the Word of God. I'm believing the Word of God when I don't see the Word of God. I'm speaking the Word of God when I don't see the Word of God. Because I'm not listening for every voice. There's every there's opinions everywhere. I don't want the opinions. I don't want a opinion. I want the right thing to do. I want to be so tuned into that right voice that 
when the choice comes along, it becomes super easy because I'm just trying to go where you lead, I will follow. Choices and voices kind of surmises life if you think about it. Stand to your feet, please. What we're going to do today before we leave is we're going to pray. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come to the front in just a minute. And if you've never had somebody pray for you, I want you to be bold today and let somebody pray for you. Maybe you're going through something, a a sickness, a disease, maybe a symptom on your body or you have a relationship that's not as strong as you wish it was. Maybe you have a, a prodigal son or daughter that you just want to believe God that they're coming home. We want to agree with you. But today, we're going to tune our ear to the right voice. We're going to tune our ear to the right voice because when we do, the choices begin to fall in place. Because admiring Jesus and following Jesus, those are two distinctly different things. Lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name. You said that where two or three gather, you're there. So you are certainly here. And we thank you for that. Lord, I ask that you would open the windows of heaven today and bless your people. Let answers come. Let blessings flow. Let people be healed today. Set free. Delivered. As we do our best to tune in to your voice. And to pay close attention to the choices, some that we don't even know we're making. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you need prayer for anything, small or great, come out of your chair right now. Meet one of these people of faith. Let them hold hands with you and pray that God would do what we cannot do. Let them pray with you that God would change your situation. That He would shift everything about your moment sometimes the question of whether or not we need prayer is simple do I believe my situation would be better if God got right in the middle of it well the way his word itemizes to get him in the middle is to touch and agree with somebody so if that's you whether it's a small thing or something only God can do I encourage you come out of your seat right now let one of these people pray of faith pray with you. If you don't need prayer, don't be a spectator today. Let's lift our hands. We're only going to be here a few more minutes. And let's magnify God.
If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, if you still need prayer, the altars are open, prayer partners are here, you can just scoot out of your aisle, say, excuse me, pardon me, I'm going to go to the front and get prayed for. But if you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life, I'd love to give you the opportunity to change that today. Before you leave here, you can know that your name is safely written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Please bow your head and close your eyes. If that's you, you say, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the first time in a long time. Maybe you used to walk strong with God, but you're backslidden. You're like the prodigal son. You said, I might still be saved, but I'm, I'm just not being a good friend to God. If that's you and I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're saying, oh God, remember me. One, two, three. Lift your hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Lift it up, tall and bold. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. If that's you and you lifted your hand or you wanted to, pray this after me. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I'm a Christian on my way to heaven. And I'm going to focus on your voice and your choice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a while, let me tell you this. Christians do three things. Number one, Christians pray. If you don't know how to pray, you talk to God like you're talking to your best friend. And he'll talk back to you in a good way, not like your kids. Number two, Christians read their Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. You can stop by the tent after service. But I always recommend you get it on your phone because you can read it a little bit every day. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Number three, Christians go to church. If you live within 100 miles of right here, welcome to New Heights Church. Welcome home in Jesus' name. Let me ask one other question before we leave. If you're here today and you say, you know what? Uh, This is the church for me. I know it. I feel it in my spirit. The Bible says uh, that we can be pricked in our heart. Book of Acts said that they added to the church daily. So I just, I just know uh, that when you get connected to the house of God, it changes your disposition. It changes everything. The Bible says that the same grace that's on this ministry, the same grace will be on your life and on your family. So we have new members classes, but sometimes they're hard to get to. So we want to make sure uh, that you have an opportunity. If you say, man, I just want to draw a line in the sand and say, I want to be a member of New Heights. The Bible says this. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. If that's you and you say, man, I just, I, I know that this is my church. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been coming for a while. But I know this is the place God has for me. If that's you, when I count to three, just lift your hand and all we're going to do is celebrate you. One, two, three. Lift it up, tall and bold. Thank you very much. Come on, give God a hand. There you go. Is there anyone else? That's wonderful. That's a big decision, a huge decision. Let's all lift our hands. Father, 
For those joining the church today, I thank you that you bless them coming in and going out. I thank you that the same grace that's on this house is on their house. Let that peace overflow in their life. Father, I thank you for opening the windows of heaven over their life. I call for the blessings that only come from heaven to be the standard in their home. Let peace be the standard. Let joy be the standard. Father, let it be an unspeakable, overwhelming thing. I thank you, Lord God, for the addition today. Now, for every person in the sound of my voice, I thank you, Lord God, that you have blessed us coming in, blessed us going out, blessing us in the field. I thank you, Lord God, that we can hear your voice, and because of that, we can make your choice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.